this is the story in John 9 where Jesus heals the blind man. Okay, so as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And after saying this, he spent on the ground and made some mud with his saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Salome. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and all those who had formerly seen him begging uh, asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some of them claimed that he was. And others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, no, I am that man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went and I washed and then I could see. And where is this man, they asked. And I don't know, he said. And then they brought him to the Pharisees, uh, the man that was blind. And now on the day when Jesus had uh, made that mud and opened up the man's eyes, it was the Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. And he said, uh, he put mud on my eyes. The man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, nor does he keep the Sabbath. But the others asked, well, how can such a, um, a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. They then turned to the blind man and said, what have you got to say about him? It's your eyes he opened. And the man said, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been the blind man and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say that was born blind? How is it that now we can see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were scared of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, ask him, he is of age. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling us the truth. We know this man is a sinner. And he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They then hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciples. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the man answered, now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody ever has ever heard of opening eyes of a, blind, a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this, they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. And Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? And he said, who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. Um, I just love this guy's boldness. It's like, could you imagine? Like, So he's, he's kind of been blind and kind of not really included in society. But how much audacity has he got to go and speak like that to the Pharisees or these big guns? Oh, he really fascinates me. Anyway, so... The point I want to make is that this guy has had two encounters with Jesus. 
So first of all, at the beginning, there were some awkward questions, elephant in the room sort of questions, really. Um, and at the end, there's this beautiful pursuit of Jesus. So, okay, so this is kind of awkward. The disciples are walking past, probably in earshot, I would say, of this, let's call him, you know, he's, he's disabled. This guy's sitting down, um, he's blind. And then he hears the, the disciples say, he's probably heard it countless times from other people, because uh, that's how they kind of understood it. So then who sinned? Was it his mum and dad? Or was it him? And can you imagine saying that today? Seeing, you know, you know, we like you, you walk into even Fiona's school, even, and someone walks in. Well, who sinned? Was it their parents or was it them? That's just like so shocking, um, you know. But that's that's the thing that they face. So he was sort of outcast, and you know, would have felt lonely and all sorts of things. Probably depressed as well. Okay. So, we know that sin is the absence of trust, surrender, and obedience to the one who knows best. And sickness is the absence of good health, just like darkness is the absence of light. So, my understanding of it is that it's not missing. It's not as if God didn't create good health. It's not that he didn't intend for us or want us to have good health. It's just not present for one reason or another. It's, it's not God's desire. So the reasons for poor health could be sin, which is, as I said, the absence of trusting and surrendering and walking in obedience to the one who knows best. Sometimes we step outside of God's blessing and favour and protection. We make poor choices, poor lifestyle choices, etc. Uh, another reason would be Satan himself causing pain and infliction and just wreaking havoc. The fallenness of nature, we know now with science that genetics was probably the cause of this guy's blindness. We live in a fallen world. Or sometimes sickness is caused by somebody else's fault. I don't know if somebody was in a car accident or something, or if there was a medical mistake and, and things have gone wrong. You know, we know nowadays that there are so many causes of, of sickness. And secondly, then Jesus said, so this happens so that the works of God may be displayed in him. So that aunt that made me odd excuse me, ask all sorts of questions. So what does that mean? Does God make us sick? Can God make us sick? And uh, the answer to that, let me just read this. Psalm 103 says, excuse me. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. So that would just be contradictory. If God made us sick, and then he heals us all. And we know also that that's just not that's just not God. He doesn't cause sickness. God didn't cause this guy to have congenital blindness so that he could look good when Jesus healed of him. That's not how God works. He doesn't need that. Uh, and he doesn't operate like that. And we can't have a loving, trusting relationship with someone who who does that. You know, we're, we're taught aren't we? As kids, you know, you don't put other people down, you don't cause pain on other people just to make yourself look good. That's just not how God operates. That is not his character. Okay, so there's a big difference between causing something and allowing something. So mm -hmm. sin entered the world through Adam's rebellion, which was his choice. It was his actions. God could have stopped it, but he didn't. He allowed it. And as a result, sin sickness is now on the scene too. And again, God did not cause it but he allowed it. God did not cause this guy to be blind, but he allowed it. And like today, this virus, 
you know, God did not cause it, but he has allowed it. You know, and there's some horrendous diseases that, you know, touch our lives. And, you know, just thinking of cancer and, you know, he doesn't cause it ever. He doesn't inflict it on anybody ever, but he allows it, you know. And then we think, like even Amelia, you know, it breaks my heart to see her eczema and how bad her skin is. But I know that God never caused it. But for some reason, he's allowing it. And so that makes me ask more questions. So why does he allow it? Why does he not stop it? Why do some people get healed and others don't? Like, for instance, we've got um, a client, Ken Evans, who is a walking miracle, the doctor said. He had cancer. He was on death's door. I think he actually died. Um, and he came back to life and, and God healed him. He's completely free of cancer. So why did God allow that? And yet, you know, my mum had cancer and we were really all guns praying and believing that God would heal her. And he didn't. So why? So why do some people get healed and some people don't? Um, is it because he can't, that God's not really in control? Um, no, that's not true, because um, God says that he heals all of our diseases. And in Proverbs, it says the lot is cast, but every decision is from the Lord. So he is completely sovereign and he is completely in control. There's never a moment that God is not in control. So the truthful answer to those questions really is a lot of the time we are never going to know. Um, and it just doesn't seem to add up to our ability to see or understand. It's, it's, it's a mystery. But one thing that God taught me to do when I don't understand things, it's a bit nerdy, so forgive me with this. It's like, like a, a simple sum. So whatever the, the numbers are in the sum, it's always going to add up to God is always good. And in there as well, you know, that uh, verse in Romans 8, 28, that we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God. So it's going to work together for good. And it, and God is always good. So you can put as many horrible things in the mix that we're going through, um, you know, our sicknesses, our job situations, our businesses, you know, with all this that's going on even now in this pandemic, it always adds up to God is always good. So I really have to just understand things. And I ask God a whole lot of questions, probably get on his nerves sometimes, but I know he secretly likes it. Um, mm -hmm. So it all it always adds up. So what really helps me is that there's obviously something in the mix. So, you know, if I go back to that time when my mum was dying of cancer, there were all sorts of things going on. Um, it was, you know, loads of health issues and Rob was unwell and everything like that and you know even beginning to think god do you even like me at the moment you know and you pull yourself together and you know that it always adds up to god is always good and that somehow he is going to work good out of this so there's things in the mix obviously that i don't understand and god doesn't always expect us he doesn't expect us to understand you know he knows you know, we're his kids, we're precious, and we are human, and we're never going to fully understand the mind of God, and he knows that, and it's okay, and with the help of Holy Spirit, you know, we will be able to rest, and we can be full of peace, knowing that in a horrendous situation, God is always good, it always adds up to God is always good, that is the final answer, that is the bottom line, regardless of what we see, what we think, what we feel, what we hear and everything, it will add up to God is always good, it doesn't change, we can rest in it, gosh that went on, I'm sorry about that, <laughs> I was quite passionate about that, okay my second point about that verse and a thing to ponder and what I really love, so 
all that goes on in the um, in the synagogue. He gets let down by his parents. His parents were obviously scared about their reputation, about being stuck out of the synagogue. So that means they would have been out of their community. People probably would have ignored them, you know, broken up friendships or whatever. And so they really let him down saying, you know, well, you just ask him. They didn't want anything to do with it. They stepped out of it. So that must have been pretty painful. And so when Jesus heard about what had happened, he then went to find this man. He went out of his way. He went and sought him out. He pursued him. He went out to find him. So why did he do that? Was it because Jesus was impressed with this lad and how he spoke so passionately and quite feistily in the synagogue? So I don't think so, but I know that that would have touched Jesus's heart anyway. It wasn't that Jesus went back to people. It wasn't a common thing that Jesus went back to people with a follow-up appointment after he'd healed them. I haven't I haven't come across it very often. I, I, I haven't come across it at all, but I've missed a few things. But, you know, it's like a follow-up appointment. This guy had a life-changing encounter with Jesus before he got his sight and before he even knew very much about him. There's no record of the conversation. Actually, there's no record in, in those verses that, um, that he spoke back to Jesus. It's just Jesus spoke to him. Uh, well, Jesus spat and then put mud on his eyes. But he was in the presence of God when Jesus did that. He was in, pre in the presence of God, the son. So it makes me wonder, so what took place without words? Like we encounter God, don't we? we? We have moments where like, he doesn't speak to us at all, doesn't say anything, but so much he's said and so much he's done. You know that he's touched you, you know that he's changed something, you know, he's kind of placed thoughts and, and dreams and, things in our head without any words whatsoever so what did God do to this man's heart for him to believe him that it was worth going to wash that mud off in that specific place and what did God do to this man's heart that he would have the boldness to speak out knowing that he was going to upset the Pharisees he could at this point have finally fit in with the rest of society and be treated as a normal person but he's he excuse me <coughs> He could have been treated as a normal person had he not have said all of those things and but he stood up for what was right and he got punished for it he got thrown out of the synagogue and thrown out of the community and I believe one of the reasons that Jesus went after him was that he didn't want him to be alone and he didn't want him to be an outcast anymore he'd spent his life so far under judgment of you know the who sinned his mum or dad or was it him as an outcast and looked was looked down upon and he was now an outcast again, out of the synagogue and out of the Jewish community. And God doesn't want anyone to be lonely and apart from community. And Psalm 68, verse 6, God set, it says, God sets the lonely in families and he leads the prisoners out with singing. And um, this is what I feel God wants to say to us today. That he wants no one sidelined, no one forgotten and no one left out or left behind. He puts us in families, not just blood family, but community and church family and in friendships. We should all have people within the body of Christ who we can walk together with and share life with. Because if our time of healing has not yet come and we're still waiting to see how it all adds up to God is good, you know, good all the time. And how it adds up to the moment of, well, this happened uh, for the goodness of God so that it can be displayed. And 
when we're still waiting to see how it all works out for our good and we're still in pain and we're still disappointed and we're questioning things that we know that we shouldn't and we're confused and we're bombarded with the enemy's lies and accusations and we're lacking in faith and running out of hope God wants us to do that together and not alone and he wants us to work it out and walk through with friendships not just his friendship not just our communion with him and but with friendship within the family, with friendship with our brothers and sisters, friendship with the body of Christ and in community. And as a church, I know that there are some of us that find this pretty easy um, and uh, are really good at that and are brilliant at offering the hand of friendship. And there are some of us also perhaps with more shy personalities or, you know, fear of rejection um, and even having pride and being self-sufficient and a whole host of reasons as to why we would find this difficult. And, and I've learned this the hard way. Sometimes you just have to suck it up and you have to get over yourself. So for instance, when um, a couple of years ago, I had whooping cough and uh, didn't know it was whooping cough. And there were a whole host of other things and it revealed a whole load of other health issues that I never knew that I had that I'm so grateful now that I did have whooping cough and God panned everything out the way that it, that it did or he allowed it to pan out the way it did because now, you know there's things that we can do and you know to, to sort of change potentially what my future could have held but the main thing is you know I'm quite a self-sufficient person maybe it's a bit of pride or whatever but I had to learn to let people love me I had to learn to let people help and offer the uh, hand of friendship and do things for me and be kind and normally I would feel much more comfortable doing it the other way and doing things for other people but I had to allow it and I had to swallow my pride and I had to suck it up and it was it was a real life-changing thing and it changed a lot of how I you know how I do family and how I do friendship and you know God really blessed me out of a really awful time and um, I had to learn the hard way. Just waiting for me. Um, even research confirms that we are much more successful in accomplishing and overcoming when we do it in groups, in support groups, in networks, in community. Thanks. Okay. So even research confirms that we're much more successful in accomplishing and overcoming when we do it in support groups, in networking community and with friends. So, you know, just look at the likes of AA and even Slimming World and, and Weight Watchers and things like that. You know, the, the science says that people are much more successful when they do it together. And especially in the light of, you know, this mental health pandemic that's playing out in the world and silently killing so many, we need community more than ever and that's God's plan and that's what I feel that God really wants to encourage us in today so you know well done to those that do that are really good at doing this and some of us I just feel that God needs to say you know be brave and suck it up to those that don't okay make some steps phone someone walk on the common text someone start having some conversations join a small fires group be brave and don't fear vulnerability be sensible but don't fear it and be prepared, I feel that God would say to some others, to listen and not to be the first to always have to tell your story and, and all that. It's not, this is not a moment, by the way, it's just an encouragement. Someone might need a little bit of space to be able to get their story out or get what they really want to say. Um, they might find it hard to be courageous. So, you know, the, uh, 
the thing that God really wants to say is, you know, he pursued this guy because he he got rejected again, kicked out of the community, let down by his parents uh, and, and all of this. Two life-changing encounters with Jesus. Jesus pursued him specifically and Jesus pursues us specifically. He does not want us to be lonely, to be sidelined, to be alone. You know, I'm realising more and more the importance of community. What I've learned over this lockdown and the coronavirus is so important to be together and our unity as a church on display for the world to see demonstrates the goodness of God and you know God just wants to really encourage us to do that you know we're together we're a family you mess with us you mess with one of us you mess with all of us you know it's a bit like the mafia but <laughs> <laughs> it's like God's mafia you know yeah, I like that. So if the devil messes with one of us, he messes with all of us and he takes us all on and he messes with our big brother Jesus. Okay. <laughs>